fantasy booking at its finest. Neil and Sean go back in time and rewrite some of the biggest moments in wrestling history, from WWE to AEW and more. Join us on our journey as we repave the path of wrestling as we know it on this episode of From Corner to Corner. My name is Sean Kuyper, and I'm a certified roofer and a bona fide dad, and you can't teach that. And this, this is Neil Payne, and he's almost bald, and you can't teach that. Bada boom, realist guys in the room, how you doing? <laughs> the head, the heads were the best, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of put off. Yeah. That, so you're you're get to be a certified roofer and a bona fide dad, and all I am is almost bald. Well, I mean, in my defense, he only ever said the big cast was just almost seven foot, and you're not almost seven foot. So I mean, well, I couldn't you know, go with that. Well, you know what? Right now, there's only one word that I can think of that describes you, and I'm going to spell it out for you. S-A-W-F-T, soft. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. I thought you'd appreciate that intro tonight. I do. So, I am a huge Enzo and Cass fan. Dude, we, it, we've talked, well, the funny thing about it is we talked about them the other day because we got to meet him and he's going to be back. And, and he's fantastic. I mean, he was a nice guy. He talked to us so long when we was at WrestleCade. Uh, that the when, person tried to hurry me up. Yeah. I was like, you need to get to the next person. He was in love with your shirt. Yes. You, was, had, you had what? Your Dusty shirt? Dusty Rhodes shirt. Yeah. On. And he told us stories about Dusty Rhodes. And I mean, I just thought it was awesome. We yeah. got in the ring with him. Yeah. And I, it was it was cool. But anyways, we were talking about them. And I thought, man, this is the perfect way to start the show tonight. <laughs> so, Survivor Series time. Survivor Series time. So this is our Survivor Series spectacular show. And yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really excited about it. I'm not excited about it either. And I think I think, I think, think the show is going to help us figure out why right. we're not excited about it this year. It's kind of got to the point now. Like we kind of teased last week on the show, you've got the Rumble to Mania season. And then you've got from Mania to SummerSlam, SummerSlam season. And then the they're like, okay, well, we're going to be competing with sports and football and all this and that. So we're just going to take this time off. Mm-hmm. We'll build back up in the winter when it comes rumble time. And there we are. Yeah. So we're going to do the show a little bit different. We're going to – I got a little something I want to read about Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. And then – uh, we'll do our Missing the Mark because our Missing the Marks are on Survivor Series. Right. And then we got some cool stuff to talk about in I mean, the actual Survivor Series show. I mean, it's some stuff like, I know a lot about pro wrestling, and I didn't realize all this stuff took place at Survivor Series. Thank goodness for Google, right? Google. <laughs> so, you're going to read us a little history, yes. so somewhat, of yes. how Survivor Series started, correct? Right. Correct. Okay. Right. And then, of course, we'll wrap up with our uh, Mount Rushmore of teams. Survivor, Survivor Series, Series teams. teams. Yep. So, I'm kind of excited about that. So, 
You remember back in the day, NWA. Okay. Of course, I remember. They were NWA. they were the first to get into the pay per view market. Okay? Starcade with Starcade. Mm-hmm. So they had Starcade. It was an annual wrestling supercard uh, produced by Jim Crockett on the NWA banner. Starcade was the biggest show that NWA had to offer. So it was basically the WrestleMania. Right. And then it was uh, it was in its fifth year. It always took place on Thanksgiving weekend because yeah, remember being going to the table. Getting the turkey, coming back, watching wrestling on the pay per view, you know, right. and that was just something you did. And you had the choice between wrestling and football. Mm-hmm. Uh, that took place 1987, November 26th. It was the first NWA event to be broadcast live on pay per view. Okay. Okay. Vince McMahon, being the quote megalomaniac he is. Couldn't stand the thought of a competition taking a share of his paper of his pay per view market, since he had just uh, come off of WrestleMania one. McMahon knew that Starcade could win over a large majority of his audience, so McMahon devised a plan to compete with the NWA. He would create Survivor Series, a new annual event that would expand WWE's library of pay per view action. So this is the second longest running pay per view. So, I mean, it's a big deal. Behind WrestleMania, right? If that wasn't enough, he scheduled it to run on the same day as Starcade, And in typical McMahon fashion, report, he reportedly threatened the cable companies by telling them that if they broadcasted NWA's biggest show instead of Survivor Series, they would not be allowed to air WrestleMania 4 the following year. Because they'd just come off of Mania 3, which was Hogan and uh, Andre. Andre, okay? So, McMahon based the Survivor Series on the basis that the fans wanted to see more in-depth tag team action. Where's that thought process now? (laughs) His plan was to showcase a five-on-five elimination-style match with biggest stars competing and use the event to capitalize on the ongoing feud between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, who wrestled each other at that, that year's WrestleMania. The main event of the Survivor Series... Think about how many pounds is on is in this ring, okay? okay? The match where Andre the Giant, One Man Gang, King Kong Bundy, Butch Reed, and Rick Rude. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of weight right there, man. Yep. Faced the World Heavyweight uh, Federation Champion, Hulk Hogan, Paul Orndorff, Don Morocco, Ken Patera, and Bam Bam Bigelow. It proved a huge success with a seven-point buy rate while Starcade flopped, pushing Jim Crockett promotions to the brink of bankruptcy. Crockett later sold the promotions to Ted Turner's in 1998, or 1988, I'm sorry, and the promotion was renamed Universal Wrestling Corporation soon after it was renamed World Championship Wrestling. WWE had won the war based on the success of Survivor Series in 87. McMahon decided to continue the event by returning to the Richfield Coliseum a year later. The rest, they say, is history. Well, you know, just to add a little bit on that, and that's that's fantastic stuff. I, yeah, I come across that, and I thought, man, i got to share that. that. That was so cool. I mean, that is 100% a Vince McMahon move. <laughs> that's what Vince I made. mean, it just lets you know from day one he was – cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. So, just a little background NWA-wise. Starcade 87 was the first pay-per-view NWA ran that was broadcast live. Yeah. So, they hadn't had a pay-per-view previously – They'd had pay-per-views, but they, they were closed circuit. This was the first live pay-per-view that they had run. Right. And it was a stinker of a card. Yeah. Like, there were some you, – you look at back on it now, and there were some big names, but in the main event, 
it was Ric Flair versus Ronnie Garvin, who in a few years would be called Rugged in WWF. Rugged Ronnie Garvin with his ankle brace. He was the NWA champion. Ronnie Garvin was. And he was the only guy. So, at the point, Flair was the champion. Jim uh, Crockett knew that for the first live pay-per-view, he wanted Flair to take the world title off of somebody. So, the person that was going to have the belt taken off of him knew that it was like, I don't want just a month to or a month or two run. I want a lengthy run. Nobody would sign up for it. Nobody was like, no, I'm not doing it. Of course, Ronnie Garvin was like, well, I'm never going to get a chance to be the world champion again. I mean, of course, I'll do it. And that was payday, you right? Know? So even if he carried it for two months, that was some that was bigger checks than he used to get. Listen, so. we saw Ronnie Garvin at WrestleCade in 2019, and guess what? Every pitcher Ronnie Garvin you had or that you could get signed had <laughs> he had big gold, big gold. Yeah. I believe, if I remember correctly, he had his big gold there mm-hmm. with him, and you could hold I big think, gold and take the title. Yeah, I think you're right. So that it means a lot. Yeah, and it meant a lot to him. It meant a whole lot to him. So that was the main – listen, you know I'm an old school guy. Right. I don't know if I've told you that. Right. I've watched about every Starcade there is about 400 times, okay? This is probably my least favorite Starcade, at least until you get up into the 90s. Mm-hmm. This was my least favorite NWA Starcade, and they called it Chi-Town Heat. That sounds cheesy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds like it took place in a, a alley. <laughs> it, well, there were only 8,000 people, so it about did. Yeah. Okay. So, but that is 100% something Vince McMahon would do. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, it, it's reading that little blurb like there, it, it, it basically single-handedly put the NWA finally under. Right. You know? They started working. They started presenting. NWA presents – World Championship Wrestling. Yeah. And they shift it yeah. towards. And they've never really recovered. They've I mean, never I recovered. know they're there now, but, you know, it's we've talked about that. It, well, and uh, this was the start when they started selling. Then you have Jim Hurd coming in. We know what happened when Jim mm-hmm. Hurd came in. He yep. butted heads with Ric Flair and ran Rick out of town. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. So, that is that is very interesting. I'm I'm glad you shared that with yeah, us. Yeah, that was like when I started doing the research. It's actually the first thing I come across, and I was like, oh yeah, I screenshot that. And I was like, hey, I've got to. I just thought it was really cool. Right. I mean, the fact that you know it's been running since '87. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that's a long daggone time. I mean, next year will be 25 years of of yeah. 35. 35 years, yeah. Because yeah, you were born in 86, so. Numbers are hard. Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing you're a teacher. No, numbers are I teach the social studies. <laughs> All right, so let's roll over into uh, our missing the mark section, which is, you know, Survivor Series style. Survivor so Series style. You want to do yours first? Oh, sure. I Let me go first. Oh, I probably well, I don't care. To go first. No, 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 no. I just no, read that. So oh, no, 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 no. At least let I can do is let you go first. Oh, yeah. But every time. I always have to go first because <laughs> last week, all of a sudden, you went first. <laughs> My first missing the mark, and you kind of touched on it, and I guess we both kind of touched on it, is that Survivor Series now has become such a throwaway pay-per-view it was the it's the it what is that it not that it was it is the second longest running WWE pay per view ever right I mean we talk about almost thirty five years 
And the fact that when you read it, they wanted the original idea was to build on the Andre Hogan storyline. Mm-hmm. If you look, and I told you today, you get up to a certain point, and it's you can tell the plugged in the plugged in storylines. Okay, one of them that jumps out to me was one of the worst matches in history was the blindfold match between Rick Martel and Jake Roberts. Mm-hmm. They had a blindfold match because Rick Martel sprayed uh, Jake Roberts with his antique bugs repellent spray right. that said arrogance on the side. Right. Right in the eye. I loved it. It was fantastic. Yeah. Rick Martel was a fantastic character. Yeah. Rick Martel was kind of MJF before MJF. Yes. Uh, so if you want to go back and look Rick Martel up, he's fantastic. You're talking about him. arrogance. He was arrogant. Oh, he was. But he's so good. Yeah. He blinded Jake Roberts, led to a blindfold match so neither one of them can see. Worst match in wrestling history, probably. They followed that up at Survivor Series. And, of course, Rick Martel captains a team. And do you know what his team name was called? The Visionaries. How fantastic is that? The Visionaries. Do you know who he feuded against? Jake Roberts' team. Yeah. Because it was a storyline. Yep. And they, believe it or not, if you haven't watched wrestling for a while, they used to – plant seeds and give those seeds time to develop. And now it's just like, hey, blind draw, okay, yep, we're going to put Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Chad Gable, and Otis as a team. You guys are going to be a team this week. Yeah. It's like, why? Like, I'm I'm vested. Like, I, wanted, I, I am a why guy. I will follow you and do anything you want if I know why. You know, why should I care about that? And the WWE here lately, especially with with Survivor Series, one of my favorite pay-per-views growing up, they don't give me a reason to care. Right. I, I don't. And then, you know, they try to do this brand stuff, brand versus brand. Well, what does it matter? You know, at least in. It's the, scripted. Right. I mean, I mean, I know that's a stupid thing to say, but I mean, it's almost obvious well, that we know. How it's going to go. So you're wearing, you're decked out in your World Series Braves gear today. Right. It just came in today, so I had to wear it. You're way excited. But in Major League Baseball, the All-Star game, it used to be nothing. It was a bunch of athletes that went halfway Mm -hmm. until they did what? They made it mean something. Now the winner, the winning winning, uh, league, gets home field advantage in the World Series. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Because if if it goes seven games, that's four World Series games that you get to host. Yep. It is. And you should win all four of those. Right. Because you have the home field advantage. It means something. Yeah. So if you've noticed, the, the All-Star games here lately have been a lot better. And I think a lot of the players are caring more about it, they too. Can, because yeah. it's like – I may not be in the playoffs, but I want my league because it means something when your league wins the World Series. Right. You know, because the the the, the Braves, for example, had to go through, you know, the Cubs and the Reds and all these teams in the National League. You know, they, they would beat each other up throughout the, throughout the season. It means something whenever your league wins the World Series. Yeah. So they found a way to make the All-Star game matter. Yeah. The WWE has to get back to, to a place where – we care about these Survivor Series matchups. I love the concept. I love the pay-per-view. And and you do get the opportunity to see people pair up 
that you don't typically get to pair up. But why are they together? Right. Stop making it just to put guys on TV. Give me reason to care and put some thought back into it. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. And so just to touch a little, because you're making or you're missing the mark was pretty close to what mine was, but I got another one here that I'm, that I'm going to build off of. But what you just said, the fact that there's zero buildup whatsoever is what just makes it useless, you know? And just, I mean, two weeks ago, both of the Mysterios were on the Raw team. Mm -hmm. And over the last two weeks, Bobby Lashley has successfully taken them off of the the roster. He took one spot, and Austin Theory took the other last night. And Austin Theory didn't do anything but just show up in the ring at the end of the show. And, and take a selfie. And take a selfie. So, but, but he's worthy of being on the team. There's something going on with the Mysterios, and I'm not upset that they're gone, but I'm just like, why did we go through two weeks of that? Right. Just, just put – just do it the way you were going to do it. I don't know. So, so my missing the mark kind of leads into what some of that as well. I'm sitting there. I actually did watch some of Raw the other night. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so as we're building towards Survivor Series, this is the go-home shows, right? Mm -hmm. What do we do? We put team members fighting against each other which obviously builds camaraderie, right, right? right? I mean, instead of you throwing Owens and Finn Balor on a tag team together to go against another tag team, no, they fought each other, and it was a pretty you know, intense match. Mm-hmm. You look at that, and us looking at it the way we do, we know what's going to happen, Yeah, right? Owens is is probably going to get Finn Balor eliminated or something along the line. Walk out on his team. Yeah, because he's turned heel again. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I I miss the days. When we go through these teams, uh, uh, when we go through the teams on our uh, Mount Rushmore, these were teams that that, wanted – to be together, right. right? They 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 were like, "Hey, we're on the same side here." Right. And I don't know. It, it's just well, it's, so it's frustrating because and, it can be such a great product. Well, and they have they have um, they advertise champions versus champions, right? We're going to get Damian Priest versus Shinsuke Nakamura. We're going to get Charlotte versus Becky, which, by the way, we called months ago. Uh-huh. We're going to get the Usos versus Arcade Bro. I was going to say Rated Bro, or I don't even know what they're even called. They're goofy. Um, we're going to get Roman versus Big E. What, you know what? The WWE also has a pay-per-view that they run that's called Clash of the Champions. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it make more sense to have these matches at Clash of the Champions? I mean, isn't that technically what they do anyways? I'm really confused. Now, granted, there was a time, and not so long ago, when we had the invasion angles from each brand. Do you, you remember that? We're going to talk about it a little bit in a little, little yeah. while. But... Survivor Series still has the ability to build stars. 
It made Becky Lynch. Do you remember when Nia Jax smeared her nose all over her face? That was the first thing I thought of when you said something about the invasion angle. And then I'm like, we didn't get any invasion angles this year. No. That turned Becky Lynch into the man. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. Because the, the show goes off and she's standing up there with blood, blood all over her face. Right. And that was how they they went off the air. That's how they went off the air. Yeah. And and now she's the man and Nia Jax is really TikTok making TikTok videos. Right. She's uh, future endeavored. Yeah. So they can do it. Like that there, Nia Jax smearing Becky Lynch's nose all over her face. Yeah. Gives me reason to care. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. The invasion angle, the brand supremacy. I know it's I know it's predetermined. At least make me believe that it's worth something. And you know the one thing I do think about over the years. Do you remember? Well, I mean, we were. I mean, we, we were. This wasn't too long ago that Raw completely swept the whole thing. Yep. And because I remember we were texting, I was like, "How did that happen?" Right. You know, because I mean, we were like, "No way, this happens!" And they swept the whole thing. Right. I mean, you've never seen SmackDown sweep the whole thing. Right. I mean, you might this year. You know, right. who, who knows what what you're going to see. And then it'd be like two to nothing, and then they'll win two in a row, and then back and forth. And so, you know, I get that part of it. I just think matches could be better. Right. They could do better matches. They could. So, now, so. that's enough on the negative. Yes. Let's get into the show topic. The show topic, yes. We have found... I got five things written on my list here of some pretty cool stuff that you may not have realized took place at Survivor Series over all the years. Right. Like, so we get caught up in the negative, right? right? We right. get caught up in the, it's just the throwaway pay-per-view. It's just blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's just the same old, same old. Nothing really counts. But at one time it mattered. At one time it mattered. And upon research, and of course, just because my brain is huge with wrestling knowledge, there's a lot of big stuff that happened yeah. in Survivor Series. So, topic number one is debuts. There were a few people that debuted. That, just, just, just a couple of guys. I mean, and, and some of them you may have heard of. Right. Would you like to start or would you like me? Well, the first one I got on the list is, is uh, I don't know, some guy named Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Wait a second. You talking about the Kurt Angle that won an Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck? Yep. That guy. That guy debuted at Survivor Series? He did. Holy moly. Well, and I didn't know that. Here, here's another one for you. A guy that he he really, I mean, he dabbled a little bit in Hollywood, um, but goes by the name of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson debuted at Survivor Series under the name Rocky Maivia. This was, they tried to push him out as a, as a white meat baby face, and he had curly hair and more uh, fringe neck thing and he looked goofy and the fans never took to him and Rocky Maivia got booed and they started chanting die Rocky die but he turned into The Rock yeah, and The Rock helped change professional wrestling right that guy debuted at Survivor Series that's amazing maybe you've heard of this guy this guy just kind of comes synonymous with WWE, right? How about the Undertaker, the Undertaker debuted at Survivor Series? I mean, do you get bigger than the Undertaker? I don't think so. 
I don't know that there'll ever be a bigger star than The Undertaker. Not well. The only star that comes close that Vince built, I held up air quotes, yeah. that's bigger than The Undertaker is probably John Cena. Yeah. But they're in a stratosphere of their own. Yeah. Yeah, I know, obviously, a lot of people are going to think Stone Cold, yes, we get that. But Stone Cold actually had a little bit of a career prior to coming to right. WWE. And I think Stone Cold had more to do with Stone Cold than the WWE right. had to do with Stone Cold. The Undertaker was a WWE creation. Right. And and he probably and he probably is even better than John Cena because literally Vince created him. He yeah. created and and if you watched any of his uh of his little segment, I say segment, his docu-series or whatever yeah. that uh you called from the beginning that at the end he's going to say that he's finished. Yeah. Um <laughs> he says in that that when Vince contacted him, he worked him in. He said, "Hey, you're coming. You're coming in Survivor Series 1990." He thought he was like, "Oh God!" Dad. Like he had the worst thoughts in his mind. And then, if you remember, that was the same year they debuted that they had the huge egg, and they kept talking about it's going to hatch. Yes, and it was going to hatch at Survivor Series, and it was corny though, right? It was corny, but. Undertaker thought that was going to be him inside the egg and he was going to get some sort of stupid gimmick. And he was like, but I didn't have a job, so I had no other option than to say yes. It turned out that the gobbledygooker right. was that's, what that's popped what, out of the egg. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was okay. thinking. So it was the buildup. See, it even the WWE still, when, when things counted and it was fantastic in, the, in 1990, they still laid a literal egg, okay, and the gobbledygooker <laughs> popped out of it. But the Undertaker also debuted and the rest is history yeah no doubt so another guy that we just recently did a show on debuted at uh survivor series sting and that was recent like 2014 Mm -hmm. uh he came down and helped dolph ziggler defeat team authority and I still remember the lights go out and you hear the I was like, that's weird. That sounds like a, oh my God, it's a crow. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just something you never thought was going to happen. Right. And you're like, and then you're like. So you mean, you mean we didn't know that he was going beforehand? Was that considered kayfabe? Kayfabe. And I tell you, if WWE is the best when it comes to holding it under, I mean, you've seen some of the WrestleMania 24s and stuff. Right. They've got them coming in with their hoodies on and all like covered up, and it's like nobody sees them at all until it's time for them to go out. Right. So, so, so far, we have these are all Hall of Famers. Yeah. We have Angle, Rock, Undertaker, and Sting, all four debut at Survivor Series. Yeah. If we stopped there, that's a heck of a list. Yeah. But we're not going to stop there, are no, we? No, we got one more. We got well, one technically more. three. Yeah, because, you know, Sierra, Hotel, Indigo, Echo, Lima, Delta. Shield. Debuted. They, they did in their goofy black turtlenecks and uh, tactical pants. Yeah. And if you listen to Seth Rollins on uh, Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold, he said – 
they gave us turtlenecks and tactical pants, and that's all they did. They said, go. I don't know what you're going to do, but go. And they went out. Yeah. And the storyline's goofy, okay, because they interfered in the Phil Brooks versus uh, Meathead Ryback match, okay, because they had built Meathead up like he was indestructible. I, I think you had stopped watching at this point. Yeah. I, I was not around at that Listen, particular time. I, I I was I was goofy back then because I honest they built Meathead up so well that I literally thought Feed Me More was getting ready to be the world champion. And then you have these three guys, you're like, who the heck are these guys? Yeah. Because NXT wasn't on TV back then. Right. And you're like, who are these guys? And they come and they beat the crap out of Meathead. And Phil Brooks wins. You know, it's kind of it, they were kind of high, brought in as as Phil Brooks' insurance policy, kind of, so yeah. to speak. Uh, you know, thinking back on it now, you know, several years later, it's kind of comical that Phil Brooks would need a insurance policy to beat Meathead. But that's well, what like it, you said though, the way they had built him up, right? You know, it was it was pretty intense, right? So, I mean, and those three are going to be Hall of Famers, yeah. At least two of the three, yeah. I mean, if Moxley comes back, um, and 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 I can't. I'll t- here's what I'll say. Moxley, the Shield itself will definitely, all three, the guys will be in there. The Shield as a unit, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, again, that all depends on Moxley's, Moxley's relationship with the WWE. If, yeah. if, if they're able to eventually bury the hatchet a little bit and rekindle a relationship, I think Roman and Seth probably both have a relationship with Moxley. I'm, I'm not sure how you couldn't. Uh, right. You know, you travel the road so long together. Uh, so, as long as he's kind of welcomed back into the family – even after he retires uh, from pro wrestling. Uh, but all three are Hall of Famers. Um, Roman and Seth, definitely WWE Hall of Famers. Um, I'm sure by the time Moxley retires, AEW will have a Hall of Fame, and he will definitely make it in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, was their, he was their second world champion. You know, they, he's always involved in the main event scene. So I think all three will be world champions. So there's seven guys yeah. that are Hall of Famers yeah. that all debuted at Survivor Series. Yep. I bet our audience didn't know that. Yeah, because we didn't either until we started doing the research. <laughs> Tell us about something else that happened. Let's see. Tell what me else, something interesting. What else do we got? Oh, uh, here's a first. Uh-oh. We right. like first. The first Elimination Chamber you, match. The Elimination Chamber? You mean to tell me that there wasn't a pay-per-view called the Elimination Chamber? Nope, not then. And we've talked about, I, I, you know, Elimination Chamber was on my Mount Rushmore of gimmick matches. You love the Elimination Chamber. I do. It's one. Of, it, it, it's actually my favorite match. So, I, and I remember, I remember that uh, Survivor Series. You know, I, I remember that going down. I don't remember if I watched that particular one, but I do remember the storyline of of them building towards that. Do you remember who won that one? Shawn Michaels, maybe? Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And that was around the time he had just come back. Yeah. I, yeah, I knew it was Shawn Michaels because we've talked about him being uh, the first one uh, to he, – he's got all those firsts. Right. Right. Uh, so, also in that match, Triple H, Chris Jericho, Kane, Booker T, Rob Van Dam. Oh, man. That's a that's a power six I right mean, that's, that's a solid – And, you know – it's obviously kind of cool to put on your resume. I was in the first elimination chamber match, right? Right. So yeah, that, uh, that was that was cool. Also, a 
fun fact for you. There were no traditional Survivor Series matches on the 2002 Survivor Series card. <laughs> of course there wasn't. Why would there be? Right. I mean, it's not like that's what the show's built off of. Yeah. God, Vince. So that was 2002. So in only 15 years, we went from showcasing tag teams to not even having any. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, there were tag team matches. Yeah. But no traditional Survivor Series right. matches. Right. We have five Impact debuts. Yep. We have one impact match gimmick. Yeah. We have, and then we have maybe a, the most infamous moment. A, a, a future show topic. A future show topic. Maybe the most infamous moment in wrestling history. I think that's very close to say. And that, folks, is the Montreal screw job. Right. For those of you that don't know what the Montreal screw job is, Brett Hitman Hart was the world champion. I think this was 1997. He was uh, his contract was expiring. He wanted uh, to re-sign with Vince McMahon. He wanted to re-sign, but Vince told him, "I don't got the money," <laughs> which isn't necessarily the truth. Because I think Vince had the money. I don't think Vince wanted to re-sign him. Right. Because there obviously was bad blood between Shawn Michaels and and Bret Hart. Um, Vince was has always been a big Shawn Michaels guy. And he may have wanted to re-sign him, but he just didn't want to re-sign him for, I think it was like $2 million back then. Right. And, and, and Vince told him, I can't give you that kind of money. You need to just go on and sign with WCW. So, he Bret's the world champion. They're like, well, we got to get the belt off of you. He has such bad feelings for Shawn Michaels. He says, I'll drop the belt anywhere to anybody but tonight in my hometown to Shawn Michaels. Okay. You know, they 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 play nice, and the plan is Brett's going to win. He's going to drop the belt the next night. I think he Brett's suggestion was he would drop the belt to, to, to Steve Austin. Vince McMahon, remembering what Alondra Blaze did, she left, took the women's title with her, dropped it in the trash can on Monday Nitro. Vince couldn't afford a Ric Flair in 92. He couldn't afford Bret Hart showing up on Monday Nitro with the winged eagle. Right. Couldn't do it. Vince, being afraid that Bret won't do what's best for business the next day, because I think at that point, Brett was just working on a handshake deal. Right, just finishing out the program. Yep. They go into business for themselves. And Brett pull, or Sean, Sean and Triple H and Vince are about the only three that are in on this. And Earl Hebner. you got to have the referee involved. Right. And I don't think they tell Earl Hebner till it's almost match time. And it is quoted... Triple H says something along the lines of, if Brett's not willing to do business, then we'll do business for him. Yeah. Something along those lines. They have almost a 20-minute match because it's Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. They're going to – I mean, that's that was a short match for them. Right. And Shawn locks in the sharpshooter, which is Bret Hart's finishing maneuver. 
He locks it in the wrong way. If you go back and watch that main event, Brett tells him to switch. Yeah, he had to help him fix it. He had to help him fix it, turns it. Earl Hebner gets in position, and he's he's doing the point, and then he rings the bell. And you can tell, well, Brett, what, what, what are we ringing the bell for? Brett didn't tap. They say Shawn Michaels is the winner. You can tell Shawn is obviously distraught. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mad. I think that was I think that was a show because he he played all along that he didn't know anything about it. Uh, like after the moment, because Brett came back in the locker room, they taught him self defense holds because they didn't know what Brett was going to do. So, long story short. As the name insinuates, they screwed Bret Hart out of the world title. Bret Hart ended up punching Vince McMahon. He knocked him out and left and then went to WCW. And yeah. and there were very bitter and hard feelings for a very long time. Um, that I think at this point they've buried the hatchet, but it took a long time. I know All that right. Sean and Bret are at least back on speaking terms yeah, because they were not for a long time. Yeah, But yeah. – Maybe the most infamous moment in wrestling history took place at Survivor Series 1997, the Montreal Screwjob. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, let's see, what else have we got here? Oh, well, you mentioned you mentioned somebody's debut all ago, The Rock. <laughs> the Rock, yes. One of another another big moment that happened is he won his first world title. Wow! And joined the corporation that night. Wow. So, because for the longest time, he was the corporation and Rock were synonymous with each other. Yeah, I mean, he was the corporate champion. Yeah. So you're telling me at Survivor Series, the Rock became the corporate champion. Yep. Wow. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, that was the first of many world title runs for him, and it happened at and I, and and you know. That whole corporation angle it was, w- was really, really good. But yeah. like the NWO, they kind of grew too big. Yeah. I mean, you had The Rock. You had Bossman. You had Shamrock. You, you, you had all these. Like, it was fantastic. You had That's when Shane McMahon was a wrestler full-time, and he had the Mean Street Posse, and they had Briscoe and Pat. Like, it was just great. A great collection of talent yeah and of course they had the ultimate uh they had the ultimate foe stone cold in in stone cold steve austin yeah so and and then that also would eventually turn into dx and it would start triple h rock stuff but i think the corporation as a faction is very much underrated Mm -hmm. i think that they are one of the best that have been in the WWE. And you know the WWE's not big on factions. Right. Uh, so for the Unless Vince is in it. Unless Vince is in it. Well, let me tell you about a about another, since we're going to talk about factions. This is a storyline that we've mentioned on here that we really, 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 really wish had been done so much better. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, but Survivor Series was the end of the WCW-ECW alliance. That whole angle, the invasion angle. It, uh, 
culminated in a winner-take-all match between Team WWE versus Team Alliance. Team WWE wins. Team WWE is led by two of the people that debuted at Survivor Series, Rock, Kurt Angle, Jericho, Big Sh- No, maybe, no, Rock and Taker, sorry, I misspoke. Rock, Taker, Big Show, Kane and Jericho, I think, are the ones that are on uh, the, the alliance. And they they ultimately they ultimately won for Vince McMahon, and the rest is history. Uh, so that ended WCW basically for good. Mm-hmm. And that angle we've talked, you know, beating a dead horse, it had so much promise. And it just kind of fizzled out, and it fizzled out because they couldn't get the Big time talent because they had Turner contracts. Well, that and in, in all honesty, though, knowing like what we talked about a while ago with NWA, with NWA, Vince didn't want to give WCW's name any more time or effort or validity than he had to. Right, and you know, he was we, like, I need to get this done, squashed out of the way as fast as I can. We would have talked. We we talked about staying in great length a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and we brought up some storylines that would had a lot of emotion right one of them was a proper invasion storyline right but the truth be told sean and you just hit the nail on the head had sting came to wwe in 2002 vince would have squashed him quicker than than he has anybody mm-hmm. because sting was the embodiment of wcw and he would have got rid of him as quickly as he could so it probably, you know, as much as I would have loved Sting to come to WWE in 2002, uh, it probably was in his best interest and the best interest of his career that he didn't. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, Survivor Series saw the end of the poorly done in- invasion angle. Right. Well, I mean, speaking of a poorly done invasion angle. <laughs> it's almost like I knew this was a segue. Right. Another invasion angle was when NXT got involved a few years ago. What a great Survivor Series. Now, the reason they got involved is because most of the wrestlers were overseas stuck on a tarmac and couldn't get home. In Saudi Arabia or something. Because that's for some reason they chose to run those two so close together Mm -hmm. that, you know, this became an issue. Well, and and if you remember, it became an issue because, well, because it was like, what was it, two or three weeks apart? Yeah, and the week of, I guess it was was it Raw. That they couldn't get the wrestlers back, so they only had like four wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, so NXT came out and basically carried the show. Yeah, and Adam Cole shined. Adam during Cole, that Bay Bay during that whole thing, and then so they actually wound up putting all three brands mm-hmm. into the Survivor Series. Am I right? Didn't NXT win the most matches that night? I think so. So I mean, I it, think it was close with yeah, all three brands. Yeah, I mean, so there there was some some big matches that mm-hmm. that transpired, and I know Adam Cole won his match. Mm-hmm. They did a pretty decent job with it. They could it could have been more, mm-hmm. but I. In all fairness, it got thrown together because everybody got stuck over right. there. They didn't have plans on NXT being involved in that. Right. And But, but I don't know why they didn't carry on with it. But it just goes to show you that 
when the WWE wants, when they have to, and they have to put things together, they can put something yeah. really good together. Yeah. And the, and they don't have to right now. And they still draw over two million on Friday Night SmackDown. And it's but it's we're finding out as NXT 2.0 goes on, they don't care about NXT. No, because it's it's is literally a dying breed. And and it is unwatchable almost at this point. Yeah. Uh, but that's another topic for another day. Right. So. What about something else that happened at Survivor Series? You want to take a guess? It involves two people. One person in particular who will be involved in the main event match at Survivor Series and his advocate. You know who I'm talking about? I'm assuming Brock Lesnar won his first title? Nope. Paul Heyman turned on Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. Oh, with CM Punk. Was it CM Punk or was it the big show? Oh, I don't know. I I, I think it was the big show. Yeah, maybe. But Paul Heyman had been been the advocate. Listen, that storyline has been going on far longer than Brock Lesnar's recent return, like since he came back from MMA fighting. That storyline with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar together have been, has been going on for about as long as Brock Lesnar has been wrestling mm-hmm. because he's not been that great on the microphone. So they always stuck him with somebody who could carry, carry the microphone. So it was a big deal when Brock turned on uh, – when, when Paul turned on Brock. Another turn that happened that was pretty, pretty serious, Mr. Fuji. I, I I read that. I read that. He turned on demolition. Yeah. It was it's goofy to go back and look in the late eighties and you see matches and you see the powers of pain as the good guys. Demolition as the bad guys. It's not strange seeing demolition as the bad guys. It's super strange seeing the powers of pain as as good guys. Yeah. Like Warlord and Barbarian, nothing about them. Screams good guy. Yeah. So you had uh, Mr. Fuji with his little cane. Whack. Right in the back of demolition. Turned on him. Flopped him. Pretty big moment. Definitely. So, I mean, some of these are just to show you that Survivor Series hasn't always been a, been a throwaway pay-per-view. No, and the the thing that the thing that happens now that didn't happen through any of this stuff we've talked about, it wasn't brand versus brand. Right. It was Survivor Series. Right. Well, it's when we went to the brand versus right. brand stuff. Even even when Sting debuted, it was Team Cena versus Team Authority. Yeah. It was a storyline. The storyline was the guys that Cena got to join him on his team, if Cena's team lost, they were going to get fired. Cena wasn't going to get fired. The guys that decided to help him were going to get fired. You can get behind that. Like, right. you know, Cena has to sell, hey, you should join my team because if you lose, you don't have a job. Right. <laughs> Right. What? Yeah, but see, that's a good storyline. It's a good storyline. And it worked. It worked. 
and you know, and we got the debut of Sting, which we thought was never going to happen. Uh, you know, you have The Rock winning the first world title, becoming the corporate champion, leads to a lo- a lengthy corporate angle. All the debuts. Think about everything that happened because these guys debuted. Yeah. Uh, a fun fact that I came across during my research was uh, 25 years ago at Survivor Series, Yokozuna wrestled his final pay-per-view match for the WWE. Oh, wow. He wrestled one more time uh, after Survivor Series, and it was uh, a Heroes of Wrestling thing. And he teamed up with Jake Roberts to lose to King Kong Bundy and Jim Nyhart in a in a tag team match at uh, at Heroes of Wrestling, October tenth, nineteen ninety nine. So he wrestled uh, he wrestled his last WWE match. At, at he Spicers. had to have been over six hundred pounds at that point. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, so some major stuff. A lot of stuff. And 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 I mean, we haven't even talked about. Taker beat Hogan at Survivor Series 91. Right. That led to the topic of our very first show. <laughs> Hogan turns heel in 92. Yep. We haven't talked about Bret Hart's mom throwing in the towel against Bob Backlund and leading to Bob Backlund's world title run, which ultimately led to Diesel's ascent to the top. Uh, let's see. I mean – there's there's so much stuff that has happened. Bret Hart and Stone Cold's first match was at Survivor Series, and it's which, one of the best, which started the eventual double turn. Right? I right. mean, it wasn't that night, but it started the series, and you started to see the fans starting to back Stone Cold, mm-hmm. turn on Bret Hart, which led to the double turn. Right. And the rest is history when it comes to Stone Cold. That doesn't happen if they don't have their match at Survivor Series. Right. And listen, if you haven't watched that match at Survivor Series, go back and watch it. It's a classic. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, it's Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, as I was doing a little bit of research on it, it was on multiple sites as rated as the number one match right. in Survivor Series history. I mean, we started getting cracks in the foundation of the Mega Powers at Survivor Series, mm-hmm. they joined. They 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 joined forces in '87. Uh, Survivor Series '88. They're on tag team. There starts being cracks in 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 the foundation that leads to the eventual explosion of the Mega Powers, which is one of the biggest moments in pro wrestling history. Yeah. Survivor Series is full of historical moments, and big time things have happened. But it's turned into just crap. Yeah. And it's because they're not vested in it anymore. We need to make sure that the WWE hears this show. I think so. <laughs> I mean. This particular one anyways. Right? I mean, you you got your second longest running pay-per-view. And it has turned to nothing. Yeah. I don't know. And it's easy to fix. Yeah. You just have to start giving us things that we care about. Well, I think I think you start that by pulling away some of this brand versus brand stuff and build some storylines. Well, you and I talked early when it first happened. They're missing out on the New Day versus the Bloodline. 
Yep. And it can happen at Survivor Series. Yep. And it's a storyline that we would care about. Mm -hmm. But in order to avoid that, on draft night, they made sure that they split the New Day back up again just as fast as they could so they so they wouldn't be forced to have to do that. Right. And I, I don't know. I think that was definitely something they missed on. And so. it's just – and and like I said, I'm it's a pay-per-view. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. But I'm not excited about it. And I hate that one of the big four, and actually one of the original two, <laughs> I'm not excited about watching. Right. And they don't even have a complete card because I was just thinking, SummerSlam, we did our picks at the end of the show. Right. We can't do that because they don't have a complete card yet. We don't know who's going to be the final participants in the men's and women's matches at Survivor Series right. for so, SmackDown, right? I don't know. Maybe maybe we can try to throw a TikTok out this weekend or something like that. So. But, I mean, I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Survivor Series uh, – Survivor Series is, let's see, I'm trying to find out how many matches are currently on the card. I think I saw four the other day. Let's see. Here we go. Let's see what we got coming up. Matches so far. We have Team Raw versus Team SmackDown men's. Uh We have Team Raw versus Team SmackDown women's. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. Big E versus Roman. RK Bro versus Usos. Damian Priest versus Shinsuke. We got six matches. Yeah. And I, that's I mean that, that's, that's probably the card. the card. Yeah, that's probably the card. I'm not excited about that. Yeah. No, and there'll be something wonky in in both of those. Um, and I mean team matches the women's, and I'm not knocking the, I'm not walking, knocking the women's division right now at all. But it goes back to the fact that we don't need two world titles because listen to some of these. We have Bianca Belair, solid, Rhea Ripley. Liv Morgan, Carmella, they're all four right now main event players on the women's side. Then you have Queen Zelina, Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi Blackheart, Natalia, and then to be announced. So I'm sure they're going to mess that up. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, why can't we just give me – Traditional Survivor Series matches. There's enough wrestlers with enough storylines that you could put together six or seven traditional story, uh, you know, traditional Survivor Series storyline involved matches. Well, you don't even have to have everybody involved in it, right? If you just like we was talking about earlier, and I know we're running long with Jake and Martell. Mm-hmm. It was their feud. Yes. They just had guys helping them. Right. That didn't mean that the four guys on their team were feuding against the four guys on the other team. Right. So you don't even have to go that far. Because that's how it worked out. It was the team captains that were feuding. Yeah. But you could do you could do the bloodline versus the New Day and add a guy on each one of their teams if you wanted to. Right. You know, if you wanted to. Right. I mean, heck, they don't do the five anymore. Just do three. Well, I mean, you at, know? This, at, at this point, you could do. But, but why take take Charlotte as the champion mm-hmm. and have her lead Team SmackDown mm-hmm. and take Becky and have her lead Team Raw? Mm-hmm. That makes that match so much better because they're automatically the two best wrestlers in, in there. Right. There's just there's so much more that could be done. 
But I digress. You digress. Yeah. You're right. So, anyways, so let's let's roll into uh, let's roll into our Mount Rushmore segment and get and get that get that rolling. Okay. You got yours ready? You want me to go? You want? Oh wait, did you go first last time? I don't know. I'll let you go. Okay. This isn't really. Uh, I, I I just picked this one because well, one of our fans. You know, felt like that we wasn't mentioning a certain group of individuals. Darren's dashing dinners. So, this is for you, Darren. My team number four was Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snooker, and the Bushwhackers. Wasn't that just a ragtag bunch right there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, I, I forget. They went against Rude and Perfect and... Like Rude and, and Piper were the two tag or the two team leaders. I didn't look too far into who that was, but old Darren's a big fan of the Bushwhackers. He told me the other night, he's like, I don't understand. You've never mentioned the Bushwhackers. And I'm I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. I, I didn't feel like that they were necessary to be mentioned. Right. But I said, I'll take care of you on the Survivor Series show. And you know, not to not to go too far off topic, the Bushwhackers have been involved in a lot of matches. Yeah. They were insanely popular. Oh, they were super over. And you know, the crazy part is, before they came to the WWE as the Bushwhackers, they wrestled as the Sheep Herders, yeah. and they were violent, mean, evil dudes. Yeah, they were super over heels. Yeah. like That just shows you what Vince McMahon can do to somebody if he wants to. Right. So they take the sheep herders who are super violent, super hillish, and they turn them into the bushwhackers, and kids let a, let the bushwhackers lick their heads. Yeah, the whole hands over the arm stuff and the goofy song and, and the march to the – it worked. It worked. It, worked. it got they, them over. I mean, they, they never won any titles or anything like that. but They sold a lot of merchandise. They certainly did. So, and obviously made fans, you know, back in the day. You know – I told you that I was going to struggle coming up with four teams. <laughs> yeah. And then today I told you that I have actually come up with a top four, but I have three honorable mentions. <laughs> I'll, I'll mention my honorable mentions later. Okay. Yeah. And and I, and these are in no particular order. Yeah. One of my favorite teams come from 1989. Okay. And it's the King's Court. That's one of my favorite things about the old school teams is they right. all had cool nicknames. Yes. Okay, So the team name was the King's Court. And it was the Macho King mm-hmm. with Sensational Sherry, Dino Bravo, Greg the Hammer Valentine, and Barry Wyndham. Just a, I mean, Some just, loaded heels just right a there. really good heel team. And it was, I mean, it, it was perfect. So... One of my favorite – and anytime the Macho Man's involved, it's going to be good. Uh, so, one of my favorite teams of all time, the King's Court, led by the Macho King himself. Nice. So, you almost went too far a while ago when you started talking about Mr. Fuji, right? Mm-hmm. Because my number three is, the, is one of the teams that involved that, right? Mm-hmm. So, it was the Powers of Pain. Mm-hmm. The Rockers, the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, and the Young Stallions. Mm-hmm. This is when they did the ten man. This is when they did the ten man tag team. So if if one member of the tag team got eliminated, the whole team got eliminated. Right. So if Bret Hart got pinned, the Hart Foundation right. was out. So we literally had ten tag teams in this match. Right. Right. And that was one of the things that I, I read on that is Mr. Fuji got involved, turns on demolition, and winds up. 
working with the powers of pain after that. Yeah. Right? So that all transpired in that match. When you started into that a while ago, I was like, man, don't go too far into that. You're going you're gonna to take away one of my, my Mount Rushmore teams. Well, I'm glad so, I didn't go too far. Yeah. But, yeah, that, I thought that was kind of cool. It was just neat to see because it's the only time it ever happened. Right. And, and, you know, that's one of those times that they they have the chance to – when else can you – showcase 10 tag teams at one time. Right. It, it's it's goofy, it's kooky, it's too many guys. Yeah. But they each get in, they get to do their spots, you get to see all 10 tag teams. Super cool. Yeah. And, you know, listening to Jeff Jarrett talk uh, on his podcast a lot, he talks about how when you have things like this and battle royales and stuff like that, it's really hard for you to tell a story. Right. Right. Because you got so many guys right. that have to try to get in and get that. And it's just a matter of let's get in there, do a couple of moves, get what we need to be done and move on. Because it's it's never going to be a great story. Right. It just needs to be a match that has to be done. Right. 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 So that was my number three. Uh, my number three is going to be the perfect team. And this is captained by Mr. Perfect. You like the heel teams, don't you? I like you? the heel teams. And he's got all three members of Demolition. We don't get all three members of Demolition very often. Uh, they start they start, uh, they start, start moving Axe out. He's got a bad back. So Crush is taking his place. So we get Mr. Perfect, Axe, Smash, and Crush. All three members of Demolition plus Mr. Perfect. What can I say? It's the perfect thing. So if I remember correctly... I think that my number two was the opponent. What? To that. Wasn't that when the Ultimate Warrior teamed with the Legion of Doom and Texas Tornado? It was. So that's my number two team, which so ultimately is Ultimate Warrior, Legion of Doom, Texas Tornado, which we talked about this in great length on the Ultimate Warrior series that we did. Mm-hmm. That he was the world champion at this time. He was. And they got to the point that they didn't know what to do with him, so they threw him with the Legion of Doom for months. Right. And and they just worked together as a team for a long time there, and which ultimately paid off against, you know, the perfect team at, at that Survivor Series. That's, that's really funny. that When you started naming it off, I was like, wait a minute, I'm almost positive. You know, I didn't really look at oppon- a lot of the opponents right. when I was going – you know, naming this stuff off, but I remember that from the Warrior Team or Warrior Show. So it's funny that you mentioned that I like heels. Yeah, I'm going to go with my third heel team here. Okay, um, and it's the Heenan family. Nice. There's lots of choices to go with with the Heenan family uh, because there for several years the Heenan family was always had a team in uh, the Survivor Series, but I went with this one specific team. And when I read off the members, you, as well as several of our listeners, will know why. Okay? So, that team was captained by Andre the Giant. King Haku, who's a legitimate tough guy. And then, of course, my hand's starting to cramp. <laughs> the Brain Busters. Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, of course, it wasn't it wasn't prime Andre. It was towards the end of his career, Andre. But when you're in the ring and your teammates are Haku and Arn and Tully, yeah. you don't have to do a whole lot. You just have to get in and do the big spots that Andre does. Uh, but 
and what sells me on the Heenan family every time is Bobby Heenan. Right. He's so good. Yes. And, uh, and, yeah. and, and we will never have anything like that ever Never. Again. The closest thing to him now is Paul Heyman. Right. And Paul is really close, but he's not Bobby yeah. the Brain Heenan. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, the Heenan family, any variation of the Heenan family is always good. But my variation that I'm going to go with is Andre, Haku, Arn, and Tully. Gotcha. So my number one is considered a team, but it isn't really a team. Okay. I'm going with the big show. The big show. I don't know if you remember this or not. Well, fill me in. I'm not sure I remember it. He was supposed to team with Taka Mishinoku, Funaki, and the Blue Meanie, which... I mean, that's a solid team. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he just won't go by himself. So, anyways, he beats up all three of his teammates. Okay. Before they go out there, because he's thinking, well, you're not going to be any help, so I just want to get you out of the way. And then he goes out, and he is his own team against the big boss man, Albert, Viscera, and Midian. All those are big dudes. Big guys. So the Big Show took out his three teammates and then goes out and single-handedly wins against those four guys. Does he end up in the world title match that night too? He does wind up in the world title match that night because Austin was supposed to be uh, in that match. And and he he was run over. Got involved in a mysterious hit and run, in the and then in the main event, he wound up defeating The Rock and Triple H in a triple threat match to capture his first WWF match or championship. So this dude beat nine guys in one nine night. Nine guys in one night. That was back when they actually thought Big Show was something. Right. Right. So I just think that is impressive. That is impressive. That the Big Show took out nine guys and then ultimately ended the night on a championship title. Wait a minute. There was a title match on Survivor Series? Right, right. right. Oh, my gosh. Right. See, Survivor Series used to mean something. Yeah. And, and you know the funny thing about it is, and we've talked about this, and I know I'm running long, but I it wasn't one of those, it wasn't one of those pay-per-views that I watched all the time. Right. You know, when you used to have to go to the cable company and, and get the little splitter, I was lucky to get mom to... Pay for two of those. Right. That was WrestleMania and, and Royal Rumble. That's the two that I wanted to watch. Right. Because that was my two favorites. I might be lucky to get one of the other two, but it wasn't always. Right. Right. And and it's just, you know, before the network come along, man, I, we hardly ever got a pay-per-view. Right. Because, you know, I mean, the, the heck, they were 60, 70 bucks a pop. Right. right. You know, so... It's just one of those things that it, the, what I have watched now. I, I mean, I go back. I'm like you. I go back and watch them every now and then. I get bored. And I'm like, ah, oh, let's go. Let's see what this is. Right. So, so yeah. So that's another, number one is the Big Show. That's a good one. Well, it's funny that you picked the Big Show. My number one is also something strange that only happened one time. Okay. And in 1990, they came up with the idea of taking all the survivors from the teams. And putting them in an ultimate survivor match. Okay. So it ended up being three on five in the final match. Uh, the the heel team had Ted DiBiase and the uh, Power and Glory, the Warlord, and somebody else. I can't think of who the other person was. But on the other side, opposite 
of the heels. The faces had Tito Santana, who didn't finish the match. He got eliminated. (laughs) And, of course, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. The whole match only lasted, like, less than nine minutes. And it was just to show off and showcase how great Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan were. But uh, it, it, it was kind of a cool caveat. It was something they only did one time. Uh, I really, I, I thought, like I said, I thought it was cool. I think you could you could get a lot of miles out of that had they kept it going. They decided not to. Uh, so that always keeps Survivor Series 1990 with a special place in my heart. So, number one, and if I had to rank these, this team would be number one on my list. It's the ultimate Survivors from 1990, Hogan, Warrior, and Tito Santana. I like it. I thought that was cool. That was cool. I I read about that. It's actually one of the things that I was reading about prior to discovering the Big Show thing. I didn't remember the Big Show thing, um, but I read about it, and I thought it was cool. So So, I told you I had a couple, and and, and, and like I said, I know we're running a little lengthy, but it's our podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll run as long as we We've can. We've been averaging about an hour and ten here lately, right. and we're at an uh, hour and eight right, right. now. So. so just to give you a rundown, I talked about the Alliance, uh, uh, Team Alliance versus Team WWE. One of my honorable mention teams was uh, Team WWE. That was Rock, Jericho, Taker, Kane, Big Show. Uh, also the Million Dollar Team from 1990 as well. DiBiase, Honky, Talk man, I was just going to call him honky. <laughs> <laughs> DVIC, the honky talk man, because I, I just have it written honky. Uh, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and the debuting Undertaker. That's why that team makes my list. Nice. Uh, also, Ric Flair had his first pay per view match at Survivor Series 1991. Um, he was on the, his, he captained a team, and that's when he used to, he'd already given back big gold by then. But they would still blur out the title, and he brought... So it was the first time televised at a pay-per-view that he carried the, the, the real world championship, is what he called it. It was a tag team title. But it was blurred out, so they knew nobody knew what belt it was anyway. So that's kind of a cool moment. The Mountie was on his team. Uh, I can't remember the other two guys. And then, of course, we had Clowns Are Us. <laughs> Led by team captain Doink the Clown, with his many clowns, Dink, Doink, and Dunk, I think. And then Jerry Lawler was his opponent, and he had his three little kings, and they were wheezy, cheesy, and sleazy. Yeah. So, I mean, Survivor Series still has been goofy. Here, you know, 30 years later, I can still ramble off wheezy, cheesy, and sleazy. (laughs) So it made some sort of impact. Yeah, for sure. For so, sure, but there have been lots of good teams, lots of lots of lots of options that we could have went with. So ultimately, what we're saying is, WWE, we miss Survivor Series. Yeah, come on, make it worth something. Yeah, throw us a freaking bone here, all right? Like the winner is hard enough for pro wrestling. At least make Survivor Series worthwhile. Yeah, because because obviously, when we start off next week's episode, Survivor Series will have come and gone. We're going to talk about it. The question is, is it going to be a good conversation or a bad conversation? The way we've talked about it tonight, one would think it's going to be a bad conversation. But the WWE has surprised us. You just never know. We might get some shocking return or something like that. You just never know. I don't know who it would be, but, I mean, we might. Are we going to let him in? 
<laughs> I mean, I don't think so. But right, that would. Oh my gosh, I can't. The, the internet would break. I mean, literally, <laughs> phones would explode in your hand right. with all of the people from AEW <laughs> with their tears falling under their phones. It would fry the internet. Right. If the fiend was to show back up Sunday night, <laughs> that would be wild. So, well, I know it was a different show than the the SummerSlam, but I'm glad it was. I'm glad I, it was. I'm glad it was. And so, you know, it won't be that long. We'll be doing the Royal Rumble one. And we so, love the Royal Rumble. Right, right. I love the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And I, it's going to be one of those that'll be a lot of impactful information on that as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'll be excited for that. I really like this show. I thought it was fun. A lot of history there that I bet a lot of our listeners did not know. Or I'm going to be honest with you, if we didn't know it, they don't know it. <laughs> well, and, and, and even if they did, there, there there were some things that after I read it, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that happening. Well, I mean, it's like I said, I, for, I did not realize that Screwjob was at Survivor Series. I thought it was at, Mont- what was it, the Calgary Stampede or something like right. that. So I, I, I just totally didn't even realize that. Yep, so. so. Anyways, great show. Want to shoot us out with our sponsors? I do. We want. We can't end a show without thanking our sponsors. Of course, we got Heiner's White Bread. We have Crouch Family Bakery with bread claws, slinging bread daily, and we have Darren's Dashing Dinners and Computer Repair. <laughs> awesome, great, great show, guys. We love you all. Go out and make sure you uh, share the show and ask people to uh, to listen to it. And uh, we'll listen, or we'll see you next week. And shout out to Ray Rougeau, former WWE superstar, former commentator. He just won mayor of Quebec. Oh, that's pretty cool. The fabulous Rougeau brothers, Ray Rougeau. Another wrestler as a mayor. Yep. Awesome. See you next week, guys. That wraps up today's episode. We want to say thanks to all of our listeners. Without you, none of this is possible. If you haven't had a chance yet, please go out and leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Make sure to check us out on Facebook at From Corner to Corner, on Twitter at Corner to Corner PC, and on TikTok at From Corner to Corner. You can always reach us on Facebook or on email, Corner to Corner PC at gmail.com. We love you all, and we'll see you next time.